time to play ball. Welcome to the podcast with no limits. Whether it be sports, current events, or random thoughts, this is the place to step in and stay a while. Your host is a proud alumnus of Rio Hondo Prep, a former minor league baseball umpire, and a man with strong opinions. Welcome to the Get Home Safe podcast and your host, Matt Persima. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. It is Thursday, September 10th, 2020. Thank you so much for joining us today as we are moving right along in our week of shows here. A lot of good things already this week and some more good things today and tomorrow. Uh, It's been a fun week. Really looking forward to our guest today, Mark Carson, the head football coach of Rio Hondo Prep. Mark's been on the show before. He was one of our first guests way back in April. We talked a little bit about the upcoming Rio Hondo Prep season. Uh, The season was supposed to open in August at the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum against the rivals, Pasadena Poly Panthers. Uh, But unfortunately, CIF and uh, California, this California governing body for athletics has pushed the season back into the winter uh, that will spill a little bit into the spring. So we're going to talk with Mark about all that, some of the challenges in keeping the kids motivated, um, kind of the how everyone's feeling right now with, with football season potentially starting in December, January. Very odd to even say those words. But we're going to talk a lot about a lot of things with Mark, and uh, we'll also get into Real Hondo Prep football history a little bit. Very proud tradition that uh, he and I are both very proud of as I'm sure many people who listen to this program know that I do talk a lot of real Hondo Prep sports, especially the football side of things. We're just ready for some football, and unfortunately, we should be talking about recent games here in September, but uh, we have to wait a few more months. And so we'll talk about real Hondo Prep football, really past, present, and future, I guess, is the best way to talk about our subject matter today with Mark Carson. Uh, some great memories with Mark Carson. Uh, I talked about it in our last time we interviewed Mark. He was the first baseball coach of a game I umpired. I was like in seventh grade, and he was a, he was a baseball coach that I, I umpired a game. Just they needed a guy, and I stepped in and did it. So fun memories from way back when doing that. Uh, Mark, great coach, coached at Cary Youth League and in the youth program. When I was a freshman in high school, Mark Carson came along and got placed into the high school department. And I think he was coaching like special teams or offensive line. Basically, he was he was new to the high school program and he, he was just doing whatever was needed, what was necessary. And he filled in and, and he's progressed great. He took over special teams on the varsity a few years after that. Then he took over the defensive side of things for many years on the varsity. And just uh, you can really see the real Hondo prep success through uh, Mark Carson's footprint, really. Every, every level – He's gone every uh, every group of of kids. He's coached every everything he's done with RHP football. He's been successful at so uh, RHP football is in great hands. And Mark Carson will talk to us about what it's like being the head coach of the smallest school in the state of California, enrollment wise, that plays eleven man football and the fourteen times CIF football champions. Lots to talk about with Mark. So looking forward to you guys hearing our conversation today in a few minutes. Well, guys, a few things on my mind. You know, I talked with Bill Barnes yesterday about about tennis and specifically the situation that happened at the UFS Open with uh, 
Novak Jokovic, who was the number one seed, I guess, in this tournament and was disqualified for accidentally hitting a tennis ball softly into a line judge that uh, happened to drop the line judge. Uh, people are giving her a hard time. Oh, it was hit so soft. And yeah, it hit you in the throat. But man, I, I, I look at unless you've been hit exactly like that, I don't think you can speak on it. She took her eye off the ball as soon as as soon as play stopped and she didn't expect, although she should have, she didn't expect that someone would probably uh, hit, hit a tennis ball at him. So uh, as an official, I know that over the years, you always got to be on your toes. Uh, But one thing I discovered and I posted it on my personal Facebook page was that four years ago, 2016, Mr. Jokovic was questioned by reporters about some of his conduct on the tennis uh, what do you call it? Court. I, 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 again, I don't know much about tennis, nor, nor did I ever think I'd be talking about it. But I like talking about behavior. And Mr. Jokovic, uh, he was questioned about some of his content and the way he kind of carries himself on the court. The reporter asked him and said, hey, aren't you worried you might hit someone sometime? Uh, just hitting the ball randomly after you're frustrated, you're showing your emotions on the court. And you know, rather than say, yeah, I probably should be careful. He, he kind of got uh, offended and, and got all confrontational. Well, yeah, it, it could have snowed today. Like, okay, dude, come on. He's asking you about your conduct. You're a little, I'm not saying you're super out of control or anything, but you might as well bring it up. And he just thought it was so stupid that a reporter would ask him of him just kind of you know, acting up, throwing a little tantrum after things didn't go his way, as some athletes will do. And uh, if if he was ever thinking that maybe he might hit someone someday and he just brushed it off. Well, four years later, uh, <laughs> in foreshadowing, it did happen. And I, I was kind of critical of him for doing that. Everyone's like mad at this line judge for faking an injury or something or, or how could tennis really, uh, you know, how could they do this to, to the top star? And it's like, wait a minute. We, there's an opportunity here to send a le- to, to send a message to to teach some people. Okay, so there's there's too many times in our country these days where th- there's no accountability. It's like being preached the other way. Don't worry about your actions. Act how you want, kids. Act how you want. It doesn't matter. It, you probably won't hit someone with a ball, but you might. You could. We got to stop this. Oh, be free and do whatever you want. Let your emotions just dictate how you feel. We got to stop that. I know I'm just talking about a tennis ball being tapped into a line judge who happened to be injured and then a disqualified. I know I'm talking about something kind of ridiculous, but every there's so many things that are ridiculous. There's such a lack of accountability these days. You know, all my coaches, all my teachers, they taught me over the years – uh, hey, you probably shouldn't do that. And it could have been anything. You probably shouldn't lean back in your chair. You might fall one day. Ah, I'm not going to fall. All it takes is one time. <laughs> and yeah, I lean back in my chair all the time. Uh, you know, uh, coaches, hey, you you shouldn't cut it so close and making it on time to practice. You might be late one day. And sure enough, that happens a couple times, right? If you try to just be right on time, chances are you're playing with fire and you might be late. You, you don't need, we need to have more self-awareness. And I think in this athlete, Mr. Jokovic, he just didn't have awareness. He's one of those guys that just doesn't care who's around him. I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm the star here. I'm, I'm the audience. He seems like an okay guy. He really does. And I know he didn't do it on purpose. Uh, 
All right. Bill kind of didn't care to dive into it as much as I wanted to. But I will say in today, after seeing that video, after recording with Bill, I was a little more fired up about it. Yes, everybody, your actions matter. They may not matter all the time, but we care. We need to carry ourselves for that one opportunity, that one moment, that one thing where, where if we slip up, it might hurt somebody or ourselves. Everything counts. And I wish sports media at least would say, you know what? Maybe this addresses an issue where we need to look at how guys behave and that, yeah, you need to be in control of your emotions. Look, at I was the most competitive person on the planet. I cried when I lost. I got so mad. I got in fights. I hated who I played. I hated my opponents. Things didn't go my way. A bad call happened. I was a lunatic. All right. I, I hope that I've matured over the years a little bit, but that's how I was. That's how I was as a kid. I'm not a kid anymore. And so many times I see adults who still act like kids. They still act like that freshman baseball player. They still act like that, that junior quarterback. They still act like that, that eighth grade uh, volleyball player that you can't do that. And it's not just sports guys. I see adults in real life doing this all the time. I mean, we are in the ultimate tantrum stage of 2020 where tantrums are all okay. Just ask the Milwaukee Bucks. They they, they made a big, brave tantrum of, uh, not too long ago. And uh, you know what? They are headed home. They're the number one seed in the, in the East. They can't throw any more tantrums, at least not in the NBA bubble, because they've been eliminated. They started that whole, let's, let's walk off the court thing, uh, August 26, two weeks ago, whatever it was, and changed everything overnight. So you, you guys walk off the court permanently. Go walk off the court uh, until the next NBA season. Go, go, go do that. Unbelievable. Anyway, some other news that fired me up, and I wish I had more time to talk about it. I will probably talk about it some more. The beloved Colin Kaepernick, who is still everyone's favorite quarterback to discuss. He hasn't played football since 2016, and the NFL found a spot for him. Colin Kaepernick is now going to be displayed on the Madden 21 NFL football game. I'm not making this up, guys. A player who hasn't been in the league in four years is you could he can be on a team in the NF, in NFL Madden. I used to love playing uh, Madden football as a kid on Sega Genesis. I, I that's kind of when I stopped. That's <laughs> when Sega Genesis. That shows you how far how long ago it was. This love affair with Colin Kaepernick and his bravery and his outspokenness and why he has to be put on a video game. Is that some kind of like mission to pressure NFL teams? Hey, you got to put this guy on an NFL roster because see, he's, he's on our video game. Way to go EA sports. I, I salute you. Great job. Who else are we putting on, on video games? Look, I'll, I'll say right now, I don't know anything about video games. All right. I, I probably stopped playing it much earlier than most of my friends have or did. All right. So maybe there, I know there's, you can create a player. I know you can have teams from the, you know, the seventies or whatever. I know all that stuff. Uh, but I have some questions and, and if I'm wrong, guys, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll admit it. It's fine. I don't need to be right. I, I don't need to be right. Okay. But can you be, can you be Pat Tillman on one of these video games? 
I'm just asking. I, I, I want to know. I seriously don't know. If you can be Pat Tillman on one of the video games, I, th- I think that would be awesome. I'd put 11 Pat Tillmans on my team. I can't believe I'm talking about tennis and video games today. But this is where it's come to in 2020. I also saw that there was a feature that Mr. Kaepernick, if he scores a touchdown in this video game, that he, one of his celebrations is he he raises a he raises a fist. He does some kind of political statement or something. I don't know if I can't confirm that. There's just something I heard. All right, but I just watched Hard Knocks the other night. Watched the end of the NFL uh, docu series. Right, uh, every, they do every season and in cutting people and guys not getting on the 53 man roster, guys not being. Um, guys not being on the practice squad. Okay. It's emotional stuff. Guys work so hard to get there. All right. But this theory, this, this agenda that Colin Kaepernick deserves to be on a team. There's 32 teams in the league. There's 53 active players on every roster. If an NFL team wanted to sign him, they would, if they felt their team was better, they would. That I guarantee no general manager in the NFL is looking at EA Sports and Madden NFL football, whatever your your, your video game. It's I think it's a shame uh, John Madden's name is even on this video game anymore. What a legend he was. But general managers are going to look at video games. You think his kid's going to be playing in the living room and he's going to walk by and go, oh, that's Colin Kaepernick. Who's he playing? Oh, you got him playing on the Jaguars? Man, maybe we should sign him. Oh, problem solved. Why didn't I think of that? I'm paid millions of dollars to make decisions for NFL teams. I'm one of 32 guys at this position. But you know what? A video game shows me that I need to sign Colin Kaepernick or he should be on on a football team. Man, thank you, EA Sports. I, I can't believe it. Tennis and video games. That might be the title. I haven't figured. I haven't discovered yet. I haven't. I'm not, I'm gonna take a breath. This is. If you buy a video game for your kids, if you buy Madden 21 for your kids, shame on you. Because, if you, look at if you if you're cool with Colin Kaepernick, if you uh, appreciate his messages and everything. Hey, I told I totally understand that. I'll I will respect your opinion absolutely. But if you can't tell, you can't sit here and be like, "Why is my son's video or or girls? Why is my kid's video game getting political? Why are what's with these messages in uh, my kid's video games? Movies have gotten overly political. Television, sports." music now you're trying to to get political and send your messages because kids have like fragile mind that's your new that's your new attempt you got to be on your toes guys uh you know what i have conservative friends i have liberal friends i I don't know how many like extreme leftist friends i have or extreme right whatever whatever you want to call it all right but make no mistake about it (laughs) this is a problem all right. And again, maybe maybe EA Sports before has had uh, Pat Tillman and maybe there's a feature that he can run out of the tunnel with an American flag or something. I don't know. I don't know video games that much. 
but you're going to put a guy on there who hasn't played in four years. Who else are you putting on there? And I know you create a team. You can have Dick, Buck- Dick Buckus or you can have Ronnie Lott, I'm sure, in some of these like uh, old school teams. What I don't, uh, I can't believe I'm talking about this stuff. But who else? Who else gets to play? I played high school football. I played on a championship team. Can I? Can I be on there? And yes, I know you can create players. You can create a play. I get it. I understand. But this is a clear message right now. This is a clear message to a lot of people. And it's a shot at the GMs of the NFL and every team saying, you guys should assign this guy. Well, it's been four years. He's not going to get signed. And every time you make moves like this, it's only making it worse. Colin Kaepernick's happy not playing. He's happy. He's making lots of money. He got to be a martyr. He's happy not playing. Just let it, just let everything be. Just, just let it all, just let it all happen. Don't throw uh, Hail Marys, quote unquote, pun intended. Don't throw Hail Marys into video games. It's, It's unnecessary. I know everyone's here to listen to Mark Carson and real Hondo prep football and everything, but guys, when these things happen, I have to get them off my chest. All right. I respect so many people out there. I have so many friends who have different viewpoints. I, I, I don't want to push people away, offend people, whatever. I just, I just for 15, 20 minutes of my shows, I have to vent sometimes. I, the first, the first bit of it. All right. I don't fault anyone who fast forwards ahead 15 or 20 minutes just to get to the interview with the guest. I totally understand. All right. But I had to say that today, uh, 2020 COVID protests. Uh, we got, we got a presidential election. We got sports with no fans. We got rioting. We got all kinds of stuff. Now we're going, now we've got tennis controversies and some, uh, and some, uh, you know, fake world video games, uh, putting players that can't make an NFL roster, giving them a chance Give them, give them that participation. That's worse than a participation trophy. Hey, I don't have a spot for you on an NFL team, but I do have a spot for you on a fake video game where your image and likeness can be worshipped. Man alive. On that note, guys, the NFL starts tonight. The Houstons and the Chiefs. I don't know if you'll be tuning in or not. Anyway, I got it off my chest. Let's get to the interview with Mark Carson. Before I snap, I have a couple other things to discuss, but I'm going to save them for tomorrow because I respect your guys' time. I've talked for 18, 19 minutes now. That's more than enough. Let's get to our interview. Uh, guys, Mark Carson is a special person. He's him and uh, as well as all the Carson men and women, the Carson family, just amazing people. They made such a tremendous impact on so many different people. Mark continues to do amazing things with the Real Hondo Prep football team and his work with high school uh, men, as well as some of the influence he has with the high school young ladies too, because I know he he has a lot to do with kind of the overall high school uh, operation, we'll say. So Mark Carson, if you haven't heard him before, uh, I think you'll you'll enjoy this. He's He's very energetic, well-spoken, and has a lot of knowledge. So if you if you have heard him before, you'll get more of the same. I'm just uh, looking forward to you guys hearing this. So I won't waste any more time. Thanks for letting me vent, guys. That's that's all I'm trying to do. Whether you agree or disagree, I'm just trying to be heard a little bit. Uh, anyway, <laughs> let's take a break and then jump to our interview with head varsity football coach Mark Carson. 
Okay, we are joined once again by Mark Carson, the head football coach at Rio Hondo Prep. He was one of our earliest guests on the program. He was last here on April 10th. We are recording this on September 5th. It's a Saturday morning. And uh, Mark Carson, welcome to the show. Before we I say anything else, uh, it's Saturday morning in September. I should be asking you about last night's football game. Hey, Matt. Good to be here. Thanks, thanks again for having me. Uh, doing a great job with the, uh, with the podcast. Um, always enjoy listening and, and keep up the good work. Yeah, you're exactly right. Our uh, schedule had us playing at Cathedral City. Um, being a glass half full guy, I, I guess the, the good, um, the positive side of that is it was supposed to be, uh, I looked at 7 p.m. in, in uh, Cathedral City, if you don't know, it's out near Palm Springs. It was 111 at kickoff and uh, 7 p.m. last night. So um, when we play them in January, I, I expect the weather to be a lot more comfortable. And, um, <laughs> and, so, and so I guess that's a positive. But, um, man, it's tough to, tough to uh, sit down and, and, and flipping through TV and you see on ESPN these high school football games and, and we're not playing. And uh, I'm, I'm sure I'm speaking for a lot of coaches out here in California that are very frustrated by that. But it looks like I think we're going to have a season. Things are looking positive. Um, Orange County, I know, is starting school. And so um, if nothing else, they're going to play. And I think that'll motivate, motivate LA County to play. But um, it seems like the closer you are to, to the city of Los Angeles, the harder it is to get clearance to go to school and practice like normal and everything. Um, I have a friend who's a um, high school coach in the city section. And he says they took away his keys. They won't even let him, you know, oh. on campus. And so <laughs> unbelievable. the city of angels is uh, definitely not that at times. Right. Uh, unbelievable. And you're fired up. I'm fired up. We got a lot to uh, talk about. And so yeah. for the listeners today, we're, we're going to talk um, a little bit about the frustration of not having a high school football season right now in the fall, uh, but also looking forward. What, what is the plan in moving forward? Um, kind of the outlook, changing of the mindset. And obviously you're working with 15, 16, 17-year-old kids, what that challenge is. And then uh, just for a little fun, we're going to talk about Rio Hondo Prep football in general, the history of it, um, some of the you know, big events over the years, because uh, Mark is not only the head coach, but a, a very big Rio Hondo Prep football historian. And I think he's uh, definitely the right guy for the job here with the, uh, the head coaching job. So Mark, let's see, where do we start? You talked about wh where you were supposed to be playing yesterday. Um, talked about how, as of now, the plan for Southern California is to push football to, I'm going to call it the winter uh, practices start on December 14th and the first right. game will be January 8th. So t tell me, take me, take me into the decision the CIF made to move the season, what it was like for your, you and your coaches and your players. Well, I think we were all in the same boat, um, coaches across the section, across the state where, where everyone was saying, we just want to know what to prepare for instead of, um, the constant uncertainty um, we just wanted to know. And so I think that was the driving force behind, all right, let's just be ultra conservative, ultra safe on the, the start date as far as planning and, and let's push it to um, 2021. And they consolidated seasons um, as far as the, the spring. Usually there's three seasons, right? Falls, winter, and spring. So now they moved it to two. And there's really uh, the fall sports calendars in the winter and the spring sports calendars in the spring. Um, where the winter, there's no real uh, 
even though you're playing in the winter, they took, they call it fall and spring for whatever reason. Um, and so, you know, we were, we were excited from the standpoint that, Hey, now we know. And so now we could circle a date on the calendar. Um, and, and we know we're playing January 8th, Morningside high school, uh, care park, 7 PM on a Friday night. It's going to be awesome. Uh, the chill will be in the air. It'll be like playoff football from the get go. So, um, it'll feel like that anyway. Um, probably the biggest disappointment for us, uh, was uh, losing our game with Polly. As you know, we changed leagues. And um, so we didn't have Polly on our league schedule anymore. But we still wanted to play him. So we had a week zero game. The thing at the Coliseum was, was going to uh, kick off the season. We were hyped about that. They were hyped about that. But um, when the new calendar came out from CIF, it's a 10-week regular season instead of an 11-week. And so everyone chopped their week zero game off. And so um, – you just started week one because you had to get those league games in at the back end of the schedule. So um, Polly was week zero. We had to chop that off and uh, it'll be the first time, I think probably in 20 years that we haven't played them. Uh, there's a little, there's a few, I think there's a three, four year gap when they went to 11 man before we did that we didn't play them. Um, but since then we've played them every year and it's always the game that the guys, uh, one of the games our fans look forward to, our, our players look forward to. And um, so that's, you know, that's unfortunate. That's the biggest game of the year every year. And uh, I mean, right. Mark, I'm just, just thinking outside the box here. What if, you know, some real Hondo prep guys and some Pasadena Poly guys, what if they randomly accidentally, of course, uh, stumble upon each other at a random park or something <laughs> and they, they each happen to have their gear. And wouldn't you know it? There's some referees who are, who are working out yeah. there as well. And uh, maybe an unofficial game happens. I, I'm just, I, I, I don't have a crystal ball. I'm just saying, well, you know, things are possible. I think we can make something. Yeah. Well, um, you can help us on the referee portion <laughs> of that, Matt. And, uh, um, but you know, we, I, we, I haven't even talked to Chris Smoke, their head coach, but uh, we were thinking maybe we can at least do a scrimmage, you know, uh, which would be good for both teams to start the season. So maybe a scrimmage, and that might be the, the most well-attended scrimmage of all time. You know? <laughs> yeah, our, Army, Army, Navy don't scrimmage each other, nor do uh, LSU and Alabama. I mean, LASC, that, that just doesn't happen. Um, well, it's unfortunate. I mean, was there any conversation about maybe – chopping a week four game or something and move in uh paul just because not only the rivalry i know the coliseum was probably out of the picture at that point yeah uh but was there any discussion to really try i mean move heaven and earth to to, to try to make it happen or no um not really we we both had openings like we have an opening week five which is february 5th but um that didn't line up with their opening and so uh, it just we just couldn't make it work because then you're getting in the league schedules and and um yeah so i think it's just a year off um which will make next year's game hopefully at the coliseum all the sweeter oh yeah um, next yeah so that'll be that'll be uh even more fun you uh feel a little bad for the seniors who, who were looking forward to that and are gonna miss out but um you know it is what it is yeah yeah that's that's understandable well uh It'll kind of be like the eight-man days when Rio was still eight-man and Paulie was 11-man, where you didn't see each other until the basketball season, unfortunately. But, uh, right, man, it's right. been a good good 20 years or so here playing 11-man uh, football where that's just been the, the best game. Uh, it, there haven't been, there's been a few, but not too many blowouts. It's always been a pretty good game. So It's almost uh, always a good game. It, it's and, uh, oh, go ahead, Mark. Well, I was looking at um, someone uh, put together our all-time records list for 11-man football. 
and uh, we're 12 and six against Pauly. But um, the, I guess the all-time series, we trailed by a few games. And so they, they kind of uh, won the eight-man era. Uh, we're winning the 11-man era. But, yeah, like you said, every game, um, almost every game is a close game. And so it, it's always really fun to prepare for, and I'm sure it's really fun for the, the oh, fans man. to watch. It's sad that it, it's not going to happen. Let, let me ask you this, one more thing on Pauly. You know, Mark, uh, there's rivals, there's rivalries, uh, there's bitter rivalries. There's, I don't know what you want to call it, uh, respectful professional rivalries. I, I, I've never liked Polly as a real Hondo prep grad, but at the same time, I think there is a mutual respect between in football, especially there is a mutual respect between the programs, even though it's, uh, it's not a friendship by any means, but it's a, it's a professional rivalry. I think where uh, maybe it gets intense here and there, but it's not, you guys enjoy playing each other, I got to imagine. Yeah, and um, I think, man, what contributes to that? I think um, probably this stability in both programs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, their athletic director, Steve Beerman, has been there forever, like our AD, and a lot of their coaches have been around forever. Um, and, and so you have, you know, it's not like we're having barbecues at each other's house on the weekend, but you're, you're friendly, and you see each other after so many years. You're friends where – where a lot of schools are just uh, the ADs, the coaches, it's the constant turnover. And that, that's not really the case with our two programs. So it's kind of similar that way. And, um, and they're, you know, they're good. And so um, when you have good people there, uh, you create um, good teams. And, and so, you know, before uh, Chris Smokes, their head coach now, before that is Brendan McGrail, another great coach and a great guy. And so you have, um, mutual respect that way and that you're friendly enough uh, to each other um, and you see each other in the off season, uh, whether it's over there for another sport. And so you kind of have, have, a, have a friendship like that. And, um, and then, yeah, the football is always good. I had to um, send Chris our, our, uh, our version of our game this year and just said, man, the hitting was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And because our, our video uh, we were on a, a lift and it was right above the field. And if you turn up the audio, you can just hear it. And it was, it was just a super physical game. <laughs> and uh, Chris got a kick, kick out of that, I think, watching that from, from our camera's uh, point of view because their camera's a little further back. Um, and so, yeah, definitely, like you said, man, I'm being long-winded. But, yeah, definitely a lot of respect, mutual respect. Um, and, and it helps win. I think, I think in the last 20 years, um, one of us has won the league championship. And so it's, it's, it's always something's on the line, you know, usually the league title's on the line. Um, uh, Chris Smoke, their head coach, said he was talking to a to a, a parent or, or someone at at Flintridge Prep at a basketball game, and they, and the Flintridge coach or the Flintridge uh, parent said, "Oh, we got to get Paulie and Rio back to playing eight man so we can have a rivalry." And, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> and Chris kind of chuckled and and he goes, "Well, he goes, I, I think Preps might have won in the last eighteen, nineteen years, beat Paulie and Rio maybe two or three times total." And so I go, it's really a, t- a two-team rivalry. It's not necessarily a three-team rivalry in football anymore. Oh, definitely. So, um, <laughs> and so, yeah, but yeah, mutual respect. And they have a great program. Chris is a great coach. Um, and our guys, you know, I think their guys look forward to it. And, and you could see when they beat us two years ago at Care Park, um, you know, they, they, they acted like they won the CIF championship. You know, it was, it was that big of a deal, which is, which is cool. And, and our guys celebrated the same way when we beat them on their – 
home field yet uh, last year. So yeah, that's that's what rivalries are. I mean, about. I'm not saying you know you, you should never have emotion or whatever, but man, beating your rival, no matter how many years in a row it's been or how often it's been. I, is such a great feeling and just like losing to them is such a bitter feeling. So right. um, you got to take those moments when you do lose to them, see them celebrate. You got to let that fuel you for the next year. If you get an opportunity. So great rivalry between Rio Hondo prep Pasadena Poly. Uh, unfortunately it's going to take a one year off, but you know what, in the fall of 2021, hopefully it's, uh, it's back at it. Um, it. It's nice to see that Poly has been consistent. Whereas these other schools, Flint Ridge, Chadwick, they've, they've, faded off and, and are playing, mm-hmm. you know, eight man football, which Rio did a long time too. But anyway, let's stay, let's stay on it. So with, yeah. with the change in schedule, as far as the months go, did that change a whole lot of your schedule? You, you said you had to chop off week zero, but did all the rest of the schedule pretty much stay intact? Yeah. It all just fell into place and everyone, all the other schools were on the same page. So everyone just kind of said, all right, we were playing you week four. Uh, week four is now, you know, in January, so we're playing in week four then. And so it's just, okay. it fell into place really easy. So, so with you leaving the prep league, really, or the prep league and football kind of just dis- disbanding, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So tell me about the new league situation that, that you guys are in. Polly went a separate direction and you guys went a separate direction. So explain to our listeners what, what the, uh, the league is now for Rio football in uh, 2021, I guess. Yeah, well, for obvious reasons, Polly and, I, Polly and us wanted to stay in the same league, wanted to stay together. So we were um, actively trying to pursue a league that would take both of us. Um, and so we looked at the Academy League, which is mainly Orange County. Uh, St. Margaret's would probably be the school a lot of people know. Mm-hmm. Um, we thought we had a lead there. That fell through. Um, uh, bottom line, nobody wanted us. And so, um, <laughs> and so we had to go our separate ways. And um, we thought we had something with the Olympic League, which is it would be a really good league for us. We thought uh, that's Maranatha, Village Christian, Valley Christian. Um, that fell through. In the meantime, Polly was working their own angle, and they, they got into the Real Hondo League, which is Temple City, South Pass, Monrovia, wow. San Marino. It's a step and up. So, um, yeah, it's a definite, yeah. And so they got a really good situation. We thought we were in the Olympic League, and we thought that was a go. And then our side fell through, and so we kind of had to scramble – and the Gold Coast League um, took us on, and, and it was a, um, a win-win because for, for them, they're a, they were a five-team league – or no, I'm sorry. Yeah, a five-team league, which means only the top two go to the playoffs. And the top two schools in their league for the last decade or whatever have been Paraclete and Sierra Canyon, or I guess for, since the last releaguing cycle. Um, and they don't even play those schools. And so their league, which was the other two school, three schools, Brentwood Viewpoint and Campbell Hall, would just play each other uh, really just to fill out the schedule, but with no shot at making the playoffs. Brentwood's had some really good teams mm-hmm. uh, the last couple of years, and, and they haven't gotten the playoffs. And, and it's because the CIF only takes you if you finish in the in, uh, top three in your league, in a five-team league. So by adding us, they got another playoff spot. Uh, we're not playing Sierra Canyon or Paraclete, who are division, I think, two and three teams. Um, but we are playing the other schools and whoever wins out of those other four schools, us viewpoint, Campbell Hall, Brentwood, will get the third place playoff spot. And so um, it's uh, going to be exciting for that. Cause you know, you, you lose one <laughs> league game and you're probably out, but um, uh, so uh, kind of like last year where, where we had to win, went out to be 
get in the playoffs, yeah. it'll be the similar situation. But we can go, we can go undefeated, and we lose uh, one of those league games. Uh, we're undefeated. Everybody else, we're probably not in the playoffs. So, so what you're telling me is it's a three league, it's a three game league season. Viewpoint: yep. Brentwood, Campbell Hall, and it's basically four teams going for one spot. Right. Okay. So you pretty much, I mean, there, there's different scenarios, of course, but uh, yeah. so in only a three league game, and then you've been playing two games league seasons the past couple of years. Yeah. So uh, not a huge difference, but uh, definitely a challenge. You can't afford to slip up against any of those games. And now you play your three league games. So does that mean you got seven non-league games that uh, they matter, but they don't really matter as far as playoff entry, right? Yeah, well, as far as getting into the playoffs, they don't matter. But where you get placed in the playoffs, they matter. And so gotcha. um, that's what matters. And the interesting thing about our league schedule, it's uh, we've got, we got Campbell Hall week four, uh, Viewpoint week eight, and then Brentwood week 10. Um, oh. Just because, again, they had to adjust. Uh, we, they accommodated us. So, like, we kind of took everyone's bye week almost and, and played them there. Just because it, was, it all happened so late um, when we were setting this up. And so we really, you know, beggars can't be choosers. We had to kind of take what they, what they could do. And that's so almost, be, yeah. yeah, that's like some of these college football teams that will play almost like a league game on, on their opening week or, you know, conference right. game. And then that, so that's interesting that the fact that it's not the final three games or the fi- three yeah. of the final four that it's spread out. Um, so, so who else is on the schedule and, and just kind of in, in related to that, Mark, is, is Rio still kind of making this effort to, expand their schedule play maybe some more public schools maybe some schools that um i don't know how else to say it but like schools that you know you've wanted to get on the schedule for years and just kind of see the program grow yeah um we got it we got to be smart with our scheduling in that um or maybe last year uh especially in the last couple years um we have more bodies you know, and, and, and we, we don't get a ton of transfers, really no transfers. And so we got to be smart in that we can't wear our guys down with a 10-game with a, uh, schedule against um, super tough competition every week. Yep. Um, we, want, we want it to be a balanced schedule. Um, and so we're playing Morningside High School, Cathedral City, um, Boron, Campbell Hall, Morro Bay, uh, Santa Cruz Christian Viewpoint, Vasquez High School, then Brentwood. Um, and so there's no like eye poppers as far as um, a San Gabriel Valley school. Um, but then again, uh, I think sometimes people will see a San Gabriel Valley school and I'm not going to mention anyone by name, but, <laughs> but, but you might see them and they go, Oh, you're playing so-and-so. Wow. That's so impressive where, man, you play a school like Boron who nobody around here knows, but those dudes will come in and smack you in the mouth. Oh yeah. And the game is way more physical. You know, they're angry out there. You know, way more physical and, and, and way, you know, a, a way more higher level of competition than playing a big public school around here. Um, although it might not get the name recognition, Understood. you know what I'm saying? And so, um, um, so we got to, we got to fill out our schedule with, 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 with balance in mind and with, with uh, um, making it through the season in mind because um, yeah. So I think ideally, Matt, I'm with you in that, um, we get to the point where we have 30, 40 man rosters every year yeah. and we'll play anybody and everybody around here. Um, um, that being said though, sometimes a better competition is actually a little further away, mm-hmm. you know? So, so don't be deceived by, Oh, wow. You're not playing, you know, local public school this year, really. But, um, you know, um, Morro Bay, um, 
they'll bring down a really good team. They've had a good history. Um, uh, and then I mentioned a school like Boron, who, who's, you know, their coach out there. Um, Boron's been on the schedule coach, a yeah. long time now, man. Boron, uh, there's, yeah. a, there's another, like a friendly rivalry there almost, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's always a fun yeah. trip. Well, I mean, not fun, but a long trip going up there and them coming down. <laughs> so like, yeah. uh, you know, again, there's gotta be a relationship there for that game to have yeah. gone on for so many years. Yeah. Rob, their head coach is, is, a, is a good friend and um, they, they want to play us. We want to play them. And I think for both of us, it's kind of a measuring stick and, and you get to kind of see where you're at. And um, they reached out to us. I think after we beat them in the playoffs in 2008, um, they said, we got to play these guys. Cause, cause I think they were like undefeated and won their first round playoff game by like 70 points. And then we go up there and beat them in the quarterfinals. <laughs> like, who are these guys? And so, um, and so they, they wanted to play us. And so we played them off and on, but mostly on for, for since 2008. And uh, yeah, again, just, it's a good hard hitting game and it's, it's uh, a game that, that we benefit from as well as them, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's a fun one for sure. I have a funny story about Boron Mark. Um, so it was, uh, if you remember, I don't remember the year, but um, it was not that long ago. Anyway, you guys, I think were supposed to drive, uh, you went up to Boron maybe, and there was a issue with the lights or something. Do you remember this? Yeah. Okay, so there was an issue where I don't know if you guys got up the road or not, but the game could not be played Friday night. So, uh, so you guys kind of talked it over and you guys were going to play Saturday night, but you told them you guys got to come to us or whatever it was anyway. So yeah. Boron was going to come down Saturday night. Well, uh, I got a phone call in the afternoon, Matt, Matt, <laughs> we're playing Boron. Uh, the, the San Gabriel Valley officials say they can't, they don't have officials. And, and I'm like, well, what? Like yeah. it's Saturday afternoon. I got all, <laughs> all the guys I know are either working college football or work some youth right. football or other high school games. I'm like, oh, this isn't even, you know, the unit really. And, uh, and I think I called our assigner Tracy and I'm like, Hey, you know, how there's a game happening. We need CF guys. And uh, so basically called a few guys Foothill Citrus, they were only able to send four officials to you guys, but Foothill Citrus mm -hmm. went over there. And uh, I remember Ruben Lopez, who's done a lot of junior high games over there, uh, him and Andy Angelo and Gabe Lopez, they, they're mm -hmm. all on the game. And they thought they'd done enough Real Hondo junior high games where they just thought, okay, Real Hondo, yeah, cool place to go work a game. They showed up and I forgot to tell them. <laughs> <laughs> that Rio and Boron had met in the playoffs like three out of the last yeah. four years. And it was a rivalry game. It went yeah. down to the wire. I think Boron, it was like 43, 42, something like that. And, and they called me afterwards and were like, what did you get us into? <laughs> I said, Hey, yeah. did you guys have fun? <laughs> yep. 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 Oh my goodness. Hilarious. What year? Yeah, Do you I'm, remember when that was? I'm trying, I'm, I'm on, I'm on max preps right now. I'm trying to uh, find that year. Was that? 2009 no 2000 it was somewhere in there 2011 okay. um to so that was yeah, yeah we beat them 40 to 38 uh a great game yeah big two-point um, conversion call uh to the let to the over by the bank and they had him out of bounds yeah. i think yeah 40 yeah. to 38 That's 40 38 and yeah the funny story about that was um so we're up at Boron it and, um, you know, the stadium lights are on an hour before the game. And so you're ready to go. And, and uh, but the stadium, like there was, 
I don't know if it was lightning or what, or a power shortage, you know, it's, if you haven't been to Boron, it's, it's in the high desert, stuff happens. Um, very remote, probably one of the remote, remote high schools in the Southern section and, and uh, lights go out and it's not dark yet. The sun hasn't set, you know, in that time of year in September, it's still uh, pretty light out till maybe 7.30. Um, but it's funny, the coaches come over and they're like, oh uh, yeah, so we're talking about, all right, what are we gonna do? And like all right let's try to play Rio we couldn't come back up again and then we just exchange with them and play them the next year but the coaches are like hey you guys need to get in that bus you want to get out of here before it gets dark and so we're like, <laughs> so we're like uh, okay um, um, seeing like like I don't know I don't know exactly what they meant by that like um, like you don't want to be down because there was no light and it was like you know being on the you know uh, out in the middle of nowhere imagine that you know you go to Joshua Tree or uh, in route to Vegas and you see these remote places and it's pitch black at night. Um, that's how it was. And they're like, you guys want to get in your bus before the sun goes down. So we're like, all right, we'll get out of here. No showering guys. We're out. <laughs> we, we hopped in the bus and went. Yeah. And then that game, it was an amazing game. Yeah. Um, appreciate you getting those rest for us. I oh, don't was, know that part of the story. And so that was uh, the last minute, dude, that was, uh, yeah. what, what were they calling to get in? in bait? That was a taxi squad uh, for sure. Uh, <laughs> but, but, uh, crazy. To this day, those guys will, will talk about Rio Hondo and the, they're always like, oh, yeah, we'll go have a good time, work a game at Rio Hondo, and it turns into yeah. this warfare. <laughs> they're like, oh. Yeah. They were, yeah, they were, was a, that was a great game, I think. Yeah. Oh, man. They were sitting on their couches watching college football, and then all of a sudden, wait, what? Okay, we'll go do a game, and it turned into that one. <laughs> uh, unbelievable. So, and, and a man short. So, uh, well, let me ask you about this, Mark. Uh, as far as the schedule goes, Football's getting pushed into to January, and then, uh, you know, you're putting three seasons into two, basically. What effect is this going to have on um, t- typical winter sports, you know, basketball? There's always that carryover with real Hondo prep athletes. A- as soon as you put your football gears away, uh, gear away, it's put on the basketball sneakers. Um, is there going to be some overlap here because of the scheduling? Is it going to be more difficult this year in playing, going from one sport yeah. to the next? Well, for that reason, um, yeah, so basketball, baseball is actually spring, simultaneous. Um, and so uh, we were only going to be able to play our league schedule, probably in basketball. Um, and, and I think Coach Drain um, saw the writing on the wall and said, we're going to be down. And so we kind of came to a, a consensus that we're not going to play basketball on um, a varsity level for, for this spring. Um, for that reason, the prep league is really good in basketball and we were going to be down. And so we're going to play a schedule that we can more manage, maybe some smaller uh, varsity teams, but non-league, um, a non-league JV schedule. And so it's really just to get our basketball guys who want to play th- those reps and, and kind of gear up for next year. Uh, but, but, you know, with, with our student body, uh, it wasn't really going to work. And so we're, uh, we think we'll be pretty good in baseball. So, um, uh, we think the consensus amongst the guys uh, was to, to focus on baseball. And so, uh, but even then, if we get to, if we advance in the playoffs, uh, I think the first week of baseball is the first round of the playoffs in football. And so um, <laughs> oh, wow. I think we'll, we'll, we'll schedule games, but if we're, you know, uh, if we're playing our, our, our best baseball player, our pitcher, Jack Van Cleve is also our quarterback. And uh, we're not going to go send them out there to, to pitching the game and then try to play in a playoff game the same week. And so no, no. Uh, I think we'll schedule games and then have to cancel them if, if we're uh, advancing in the playoffs and just kind of 
go with the flow. You know, that's kind of the, the theme of this year, this, yeah. this, this time we're in. So it's, it's a yeah. unique situation, very, very unique. And, and real Hondo prep athletes, they, they play all the sports or at least, you know, two typically. And, you know, it's yeah. a tough spot for you guys to be in with this new football season, great football history, but you also got that defending, uh, 2019 CIF championship baseball team that probably wants to go have another run. So it's a tough decision, right. I'm sure. Right. It is. And so, um, during this up until December 14th, when we could really practice football, we're also going to mix in, uh, baseball practices. Um, you know, we'll practice with, with our basketball guys and just, uh, you know, an afternoon or two here just to get them in shape and get them ready. So, um, but that's kind of the story, uh, every year at Rio, you know, you're, you'll see guys out playing catch um, with their baseball gloves, uh, you know, uh, uh, after a football practice, you know, so that's just how it goes. It's <laughs> fantastic. Yeah. Uh, well, well, let me ask you this, Mark, you, you had the kids training for probably a month, getting ready for the season, I got to imagine. And then the CIF comes down with this ruling. So what, what do you do now? What do you, you can't officially have quote unquote football practice until uh, December 14th. So what is the challenge for you guys and how do you keep the kids fresh and telling them, Hey, I know you guys thought we were going to play in a few weeks. Now it's, and now it's like three months away, uh, four months away. Um, how do you, what do you change? How do you, how do you keep their, their attitude of these teenagers to be like, Hey, let's keep working hard, whether it be lifting or conditioning. Uh, we are going to have a season. It's just getting pushed back and pushed back. I think, uh, yeah, motivation is the hardest part of, of our jobs right now because, um, as you know, most teenagers can't think beyond 10 minutes, let alone, uh, you know, <laughs> let alone months. And so um, that's been a challenge, but, but the guys really enjoy, like we've been on campus the last three weeks, they really enjoy hanging out, um, as, you know, as much as you can hang out. But uh, they enjoy seeing each other. Uh, you know, we move um, weight equipment barbells dumbbells out on the field uh med balls and we're doing different things out on the field um because you can't be indoors but uh they, they like it they like being out with each other really that's i think that's the biggest draw and so they enjoy the time out there and uh as far as their motivation we gotta you know every once in a while and it's part of our job we gotta stop them. I mean, guys um i know it seems far off and i know it seems you might be thinking this isn't gonna happen but it's gonna happen and i and i just we keep reminding I pointed them out, pointed out uh, when we broke for the weekend on Thursday, Hey guys, there's high school games tomorrow night, just not in California, you know, so it's going to happen. It's going to get there. And, um, you know, we have a, a, a term we like to use called plow the fields. You got to plow the fields now if you want to harvest later on. And so yeah. if you're not working out, you're not in shape, you can't just show up and play. And so that's what we've been focusing on. Just get really getting in shape. Oh yeah. And, 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 I want to ask a question because I always kind of want to know the, not the loophole, but just kind of the technicalities of it. You say you can't practice football until December 14th. What is, what constitutes a football practice versus uh, workouts? We'll say, cause I, I know you guys aren't the only ones going through this. Everyone in, in California is. So what is the, what is the fine line, I guess? Yeah. So you can't, you have to maintain social distancing. So six feet, and, uh, you know, especially with our line splits, for instance, um, you know, we always have those tight line splits. We couldn't, we can't run a play. Um, so you can't, you can't defend. Like if you're running pass routes, you can run pass routes. We've been doing that. So introducing that, uh, but even that only two people could share a ball. So, 
um, because there's multiple receivers going out. We disinfect the ball after each reception. Um, oh, stop it. Are you serious? Uh, no, that's, I'm not, I'm not joking. That, oh my That Lord. is what we have to do. <laughs> and so, um, you know, we're tuning what we got to do to stay open and, and um, we're going to, we're going to uh, follow the rules as much as best we can. But um, yeah, so the guys got to, got to stay six feet apart. And so <laughs> you could do that working out, you know, we, we figure that out. But as far as playing the game of football, it's not really possible. Um, you can't play the game of football. So, um, but we're trying to get, you know, just get that, that uh, football mindset and having a growth mindset and, and making the best of, of our current situation is kind of our attitude. That's all you can do, man. You, you yeah. Going through it. And uh, Anthony Lynn had a great quote. Uh, I was watching Hard Knocks, one of the earlier episodes. And there's 32 teams in the NFL. And, he's, and he was having a Zoom call with his guys. And he said, listen, guys, one team is going to do this, is, is going to handle all this better than the other 31. Why can't it be us? I was like, man, that's a simple way to say it, but really, really good. Um, well, it, it's interesting to me, Mark, real Hondo's, you know, they got a lot of integrity. They're always going to do, like you said, what they're told. I, I know probably not everyone <laughs> is doing that because it would be hard to police all of the practices and this and that. I do know that there are some people out there who take it upon themselves to, uh, to be this, uh, disciplinarian and that they have no other life except uh making sure people are wearing masks or uh separate have you guys had any experiences like that where people are kind of looking over your guys shoulder making sure you're doing things right um well yeah i think i think you notice um and maybe it's a good thing some parents will be watching from their cars or whatever and and we welcome the scrutiny we're fine um but but we got a call from a neighbor who saw who saw some of our kids after practice walking to um, one of the kids' houses to go swimming, you know, and it's after practice. They're out of our jurisdiction, really, and, and they complained that they weren't social distancing as they were walking outside to go to, to, go to their friend's house to go swimming. Um, and so, um, yeah, and so, um, you know, it's part, I guess it's uh, nowadays it's part of the territory, but. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah. Teenage boys walking on a street outside outside uh, i'm missing the i'm missing the uh <laughs> I'm miss- okay okay this is the world yeah. we're in these days uh yeah it's I crazy think, i think there's much bigger issues in our country these days that than exactly. some high school boys walking on a street corner exactly uh, unbelievable yeah. well some people again I, i've said this before on the podcast some people love to complain and that's just yeah. that's just nature Oh man, um, that's unfortunate. Well, um, my best, my best to you guys, man. You, you guys have a real challenge ahead, but I know you embrace it, Mark. And it's a big, yeah. re- it's a big reason you've been so successful. Uh, one other change uh, that was some, I guess, real Hondo prep football news. You told me back in April, but we've seen some photos of the new uniforms. Well, how do you think they turned out? Uh, the guys really like them. We like them. Um, they're, um, we've had the black. Black on black, as far as uh, the numbers go, where the, we just have a white outline and we kind of went to a white uh, numbers. Um, if people can kind of think of a uh, the Raiders, um, not that we we tried to imitate the Raiders take necessarily, it easy. Take it easy. <laughs> <laughs> but but the Raiders have the black with the silver numbers. Ours are white. It kind of looks like that. It's very basic. Um, and if you get closer, you can see some of it. Nike does a really cool job with the texture on the jerseys and stuff like that. And then the the away jerseys, we did um, a dark red, more collegiate red uh, number on our away jerseys. And uh, I think those look really sharp if you're kind of thinking maybe like an Alabama, Stanford look for our road jersey. Um, and the guys like them. The cool, the cool thing is the fit, too. 
Uh, it seems like every year they get tighter. You need like two guys to stretch it on over. Uh, but that's all about the performance of the jersey and the uniform. And so um, it was fun for our guys to put those on, even though, uh, yeah, they're supposed to arrive, I think, in, man, April or May. And they hadn't arrived, or early May, I think. And then they didn't arrive until July because of whatever. But, um, yeah, so I think they're going to be good. Yeah, I'm looking at I'm looking at a few of them. I'm looking at them. Yeah. Uh, I I agree with a few of your, uh, you know, the the media guys who retweeted and stuff. Yeah. I, I think the all black is just uh, black on black looks so good. More white with the the numbers and everything now. Yeah. Um. Very 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 cool. Now I did notice one helmet has the white face mask. One has the black face mask. What's the plan? So we're we're gonna let the guys kind of decide on that. You know, we don't we're, we're the adults. We usually decide most of the stuff, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> stuff like that if if they want to wear a white face mask we'll do the white face mask and um if they want to keep the black we'll keep the black and so uh kind of once we reconvene on campus we'll, we'll figure that out and uh we might do both you know change out the face mask for for away games and wear white and keep the black for home but we'll see yeah i kind of like the little little uh letters on the on the jersey too real hondo plus a crest that's that's kind of yeah. cool I, I did like last year's jerseys man i like those uniforms the all black i like the away the all white i mean yeah those are gonna be tough to say goodbye to i think they're one of the better uniforms you guys have had over the years but uh, yeah those it. were great yeah and we had the black all black for eight years and uh so we're adding a little more white this year but yeah it'll be we'll probably bring it back next cycle yeah man because because dude you look back at some of the real hondo uniforms whether it be um uh, the lineup, which is the name of the Real Hondo Prep, uh, we'll call it media guide, or right. what's the best way to describe that? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Media, media guide, guide, pretty yeah. much. Um, it has all the teams and some of the history from the the past. And so, looking at some of the uniforms, it's it it's evolved, but right. it's still similar in some ways, which I love. The red, white, and black, yeah. man. Yeah, that is great. Uh, well, real quick, Mark, before we kind of dive into some uh real hondo prep history and everything uh you you said you've been listening to the podcast a little bit who who have any uh any guests really jumped out to you or any episodes in particular yeah i like the uh obviously the the kindred tribute was really cool um um who else did i like i liked man i loved hearing um you know old guys i used to coach and so um landon Mm -hmm. landon goodwell was was that was really fun um Fred, uh, Bill Lees was really good. Not that I coached him. He's more of a, uh, um, colleague, <laughs> colleague. Yeah. I mean, he's, he, yeah, we were at Rio at the same time. John Lees was good. Um, so yeah, I enjoyed the album. Tracy McFate was probably one of my favorite ones from a non Rio guy. Oh, really? Yeah, I really enjoyed that one. And, uh, that was just super interesting to me. Um, yeah. So very cool. Yeah. You, you've definitely uh, heard a few and, Man, the, the Ken Drain tribute was an absolute uh, pleasure to do, and, and it was so cool to see so many guys participate in it. But Bill Lee, uh, that was a long interview, but it was so yeah. good. It was so much fun talking with him. He yeah. has he has hands down the most plays at 172, but that that Mr. Drain tribute is uh, only right behind him at 169. Um, the other top five are, are Todd Carson. Uh, Will Tarico and Landon Goodwill are the other episodes, but uh, you know you were up there for a while, Mark. Your your initial episode, I think you have a hundred, a <laughs> hundred and nineteen plays. So we'll see. Let's what go. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. yeah we'll, keep, <laughs> we'll keep it going, man. So I appreciate you listening, and and for some of the feedback too, it definitely helps, helps uh-huh. helps me and encourage me. Uh, and and I do want to give you a little credit, Mark. That you know you were a guy who went to Cal State Fullerton. You got your communications degree. I talked with you a lot about 
your experiences in college and, and what you studied and everything. And so I really followed in your footsteps yeah. uh, a lot of what you did. You helped out with the baseball team a while. I ended up doing that. Uh, yeah. and, and so it was kind of cool following your lead after you and I became friends, you know, and, and right. uh, so, yeah, I'm a proud uh, Cal State Fullerton communications major and baseball yeah. team helper, whatever you want to call us. <laughs> Sports information department. Yeah, we uh, uh, kind of the same, same education path for sure. Um, uh, Rio and Cal State Fullerton, there's not very many of those out there. So that's right. Um, that's right. And, and, and public relations on top of that. Like, were you public relations or what, yes, what branch of communication? Yeah. PR. Yeah. So PR. Um, and then, yeah, get, getting in on the baseball team. I remember um, after I left, I mean, you came a few years after, but uh, I was still in contact with, with Mike Greenlee and, and those guys down there. And I go, hey, I got a guy who's at, who, who would be great in the press box for you guys. And, uh, a uh, friend of mine now, but I coached him in high school and I was at Cal State Fullerton. And, and I think I, I introduced you guys kind of, or, or mm-hmm. helped set that up. And um, so yeah, always, always, always <laughs> happy to help. But I think, I think it goes more to, to uh, our similarities, you know, where we yeah. um, think alike. Uh, we, we like the same things. We, we have the same values, I would say. And so mm-hmm. um, stuff like that, uh, I could see how it would be out. Um, if you ask me, I go, man, I think you would like this. That's probably what I said. I'm not going to tell you what to do. I probably just said, I think you would like it, you know, and just because I know you so well. Well, you helped me a lot with, uh, honestly, a lot of the uh, the schoolwork as well. I went to you for some questions here and there. Uh, <laughs> you know, you, you definitely assisted, we'll say, and gave me some ideas really in some of the projects and things I had to do. But yeah, the, the guys in the press box, it was people always ask, well, what did you do with the team? I was like, well, kind of whatever. Like I answered phone calls, ran the scoreboard. Uh, I kept the stats. I did all kinds of stuff. And what was cool is being a part of a press box. It was a, it's a unique experience. It's like its own little club. I mean, Mike yeah. Green, who was the SID at the time, he played baseball at Fullerton too, part right. of the, uh, the championship team in 95, I believe. And uh, one of my just very good friends that I, that I still talk to today from there is Dr. Chris Alba, who right. is the voice public address. Yeah. Yeah. Public address announcer. He's the, he's the voice of the Titans. He does the Rancho Cucamonga quakes also. And, uh, him and I, you know, he's a great guy. I got great values and just so much fun to talk to. Uh, you know, I always have to bring you up as Gordon, which I forgot to ask <laughs> you last time. What it's your official name is Gordon Mark Carson. What, where, at what point Mark did, did the Gordon go away or did Mark come into play? <laughs> well, I was always Mark uh, growing up and then uh, you go to college, right? And your official first name is what your what's on your birth certificate, right? And so, um, just when I was at Cal State Fullerton, I kind of morphed into Gordon, so everyone knew me as that, and uh, I didn't bother changing it. And so, um, you know, that that's really the nexus of that story. Not, <laughs> not, not much more to it. And and so, uh, anyone, well, yeah. anyone anyone from those years knows me as Gordon. Yeah. yeah, but but it's just funny. Like, okay, it was your first name on your birth certificate, right? So. Right. <laughs> Why were you then called Mark? That always trips me out with guys. Oh, this isn't my real, my real first name. Um, I would have to ask my parents that. I don't know why. Um, I didn't even know Gordon was my first name probably until I was like 10 years old. And uh, you have to research your family history or something for school. And I found <laughs> Gordon's my first name. And so, um, yeah, um, I think I was named after, I mean, I know I was named after my grandfather, my uh, paternal grandfather and uh, on my dad's side. And so I think that's who I was named after. But uh, for some reason, they like Mark, and they called me Mark. So, 
That's so funny, man. My yeah. Richard Devin Drain, my other, I know he loves, yeah. he hates being called that, but uh, yeah. no, that, that's hilarious. Yeah, Chris Alba knows you as Gordon, all those guys do. And Chris, man, I, I've talked to him over the years. He's been involved with the Dodgers, the Angels, the, the Fullerton Titans, the Quakes, the Clippers, um, the Raiders. He was a big, he was the Raiders PA guy right. for a long time. Right. And you know what? And you know what he loves, Mark? He loves hearing about Real Hondo Prep Athletics. We, we got, yeah, yeah, we got him, we got him a hat and everything. I mean, Todd sees him at baseball games all the time when yeah. he goes, I mean, he's, he's always loving it, man. The Carson boy, the Carson coaches. Yeah, they're great. And he loves uh, hearing about real Hondo prep athletics, man. I think it's great. That's cool. That's cool, man. Yeah. Chris is another kindred spirit, right? He's, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Well, he came on and we might, we might have to get him back on the program another time. Well, I got to listen to his, I didn't listen to his yet. I'm going to listen to that. Well, what's funny is so many of these earlier ones, um, not that I know what I'm doing now, but back then I didn't know anything. And it was like uh, bringing people on, the audio was terrible. Now it's a lot better. So uh, I might have to redo a few, if you know, if you will. But anyway, well, well, Mark, let's talk a little bit about Tell Chris I said hi next time you. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, he's a, he loves the Carson family. Let me tell you. (laughs) Let me tell you. well, let's talk a little bit about Real Hondo Prep football, kind of the history of it, maybe the evolution a little bit, maybe talk about a couple different eras. Um, for those of you who aren't aware, Real Hondo Prep has quite a football history. I'm just going to name off a few years here, just so that some people who, who aren't involved in the program know. Real Hondo Prep football is, uh, has won the CIF Southern Section Championship uh, many times. I will list a few years here, 1973, 1977, 79, 1982, 1990, 1997, 97, 98, 2000, 2001, 2005, 2008, 2011, and 2012. So if my math serves me correctly, that's quietly is one of the best football programs in all of Southern California. Yeah, that history is amazing. And um, some great teams that you just, you just mentioned those championship years. And, and it's funny, sometimes there's even, um, you could argue better teams that didn't win a championship. Yeah. And um, so there's so many great teams. How, how do you get um, to that level? Of, I think the level of consistency is what's most impressive, right? Anyone can string together, um, a season or two, maybe with, we got a really good group and it all kind of meshes and it happens, but, but to win that consistently, uh, there's something going on. That's right. Uh, formula from a formula standpoint, there's some formula that's working. And so um, that's, I think what sets us apart is just the consistent winning over the decades and, and uh, started as a six man program a few years and eight man for a long time. And now 11 man um, it's never, there's always dips, you know, you can imagine they, the, uh, the stock market, you're going to dip every once in a while, but, <laughs> but by and large that, that those returns have been steady and, and, uh, and consistent over decades now. And so I, th- yeah, I think that's, that's the most impressive thing about it. Well, definitely. And, and on top of those, those 14 CAF championships, there's been seven other years in which Rio was the runner up. So over 20 times in a championship game. And, and yes, yeah, some people are like, so most people, haven't even heard of eight man, let alone six man, but six man football was played. Um, you know, Rio played it in the, in the early seventies, we'll say. And 
it was basically think of all these schools that don't have many students. Uh, it was a version of football that was played for, for schools that didn't have many kids. And at every level, Rio eventually played eight man. And uh, I can't remember what year it was, but the mid seventies, we'll say um, yeah. first eight man championship was 77. And the last eight man championship was uh, 2001. So uh, just about 25 years, give or take of eight man football and some great successes there. Right. Um, and again, eight man football because of the student body numbers, really. I right. think, I think there were plenty of those teams, Mark, that could have played 11 man football much. Oh, sooner. for sure. For I don't sure. think there's any doubt. I mean, yeah. so for so many people that would tell you, Mark, as the head coach now of the team, uh, well, like, Rio has a history, but yeah, that was eight man. Like, what would you say, what would be your response to that? Yeah. Um, and, and unfortunately, those years, we didn't get a chance to play um, some local schools or whatever. But, but I've been around long enough. Um, I can't say I've seen every game since, since uh, you know, I was a kid. But I remember going to games in the early 80s and watching. I remember going. Uh, I remember being sick in, um, in our house when I was a kid. I must have been like five years old. Uh, you could see the scoreboard on, on Carefield from our house. Oh, oh, nice. And so, so I remember being sick at, it was a playoff game or a championship championship game, maybe. And my dad, um, taking me out to the backyard and just watch scoreboard watching literally. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> we just watched the scoreboard go back and forth. And, and, uh, so it was ingrained in me early on. Um, I've been, I've been a real guy forever. And so I would say, yeah, if you, if, if anyone who tries to disparage us, um, uh, for those eight man years, I would just say, you know, look at our record against, against the local public school team since then in 11 man. And I would say the talent level what was um, the same back then in the eight man years as it is now. And so um, had we been playing then, I can't say, oh, we would have won, you know, more championships in 11 man. You know, I'm not going to say that, but, but um, we definitely would have been right there. And we definitely would have um, represented very well. And I can just say, as someone who's watched literally since the 80s, um, we're on a football, um, the quality wasn't any less than it was there. Um, the, the physicality, the execution, um, how our players played and, and with extreme passion and emotion, um, it, it hasn't changed. And, and so we build on that. And, and for us, it's a championship. We don't say, hey, guys, those were eight-man championships. They mean any less, you know. Uh, the, the ones we're winning now. And so um, I can just say, speaking from experience, that it's, it's the level of football, even though there's less guys on the field, was the same as, as it is now. And in some cases, it was probably better, you know, some years. Uh, oh, some yeah. Of yeah. oh, yeah, absolutely. And some, some great teams, some amazing players, amazing um, yeah. guys that could have played a lot of different places. And uh, yeah. I, I just love that kind of Rio Hondo prep football has been on the map. It's been – it's gotten the words gotten out about the program and you've been a guy, Mark, one thing that was fun with you is going to other high school games. We would just go to watch good matchups, mm -hmm. good pro huge programs, a lot of long beach poly games, um, right. a lot of uh, modern day. Uh, just, just if there was a big game in town, we tried to get out and watch it. And right. uh, you, you've been someone who has uh, communicated, been in communication with a few different coaches uh, at the high school level. I mean, you've, you've gone up yeah. to, to De La Salle. You've talked to those guys. You have, uh, 
you've chatted with Matt Logan, right, from yeah. Corona yeah. Centennial, yeah. and uh, and and uh, Coach Salter at at Upland High School. I mean, right. the, there's there's some connections there, which you can you can talk about if you like. But you definitely are someone who has reached out and talked to guys at other levels and, and kind of I don't know got some information on kind of what they do well. And uh, I think because of that, those guys have those guys among other coaches and, and people, they have a respect for real Honda prep football just because the word's gotten out. And, and uh, I think you do a good job of promoting the program and obviously always trying to, to elevate it. So what can you tell me about kind of talking to some of those different coaches over the years or any coaches clinics or anything? Yeah. Um, I mean, everyone does clinics and those are always a great way to network and, and learn. Um, with those few instances that you've talked about, um, you know, I was really cool. That was my Christmas present one time. My brother set up that meeting with Matt Logan. And um, we went out to lunch and talked football for, I don't know, two, three hours. And he was very gracious um, to do that. And, and I learned a lot. And, and in all those cases, whether, yeah, then um, our brother again, Todd, it was another uh, Christmas present, set up the, um, we spent a week, uh, two, three days up at De La Salle. And that was uh, during their spring preparation time. And, um, it worked out and Todd and I both went up there and that was an amazing experience. And uh, meeting Bob Latisseur, Terry Eidson, uh, Justin Allenball, who's their head coach now. Mm-hmm. Uh, those guys were super cool. Uh, let us right in the huddle, literally um, uh, talk with them in their offices, had dinner with them. Um, and one of the coolest things they said, I remember uh, Bob Latisseur uh, kind of went our two days up there at ended. He goes, Hey guys, Hey, when you go back, um, don't say, oh, I got this from De La Salle or I got this from here. This is all your stuff. And he goes, we're all part of this. You know, his, his message was we're all part of the kind of the coaching fraternity. And um, you use this as your own. You wow. know, and anything you take from us, it's yours. And so I thought that was just so cool. And I'm oh, like, man, yeah. that, that was awesome. And and because, um, yeah, we definitely gleaned a lot of good information. And um, I just think, you know, that that's a, that's a cool thing. Uh, and, and there's a fraternity among coaches who – who even though we may be competing uh, at one point, we're always looking out for each other as well. You know, we're kind of in this together. We kind of all do it for the same reasons. Want to help young men mature and, and, and grow into um, productive, successful, well-rounded uh, people for society. And, and, and so, you know, like those guys you mentioned, Matt Logan, um, Tim Salter, Bob Lattisor, those guys, we're not a competitive threat to them. No, you know, and so I think maybe they were very more open with everything than, than other coaches would, but even like, like Chris Smoke out at a poly, um, you know, we'll, we'll be, we'll talk shop and, and share ideas, uh, not poly week, but, but during the rest of the time of the year, you know, we're trying to help each other out. Yeah. And, uh, and so I, I, you know, I just look at it as I try to be a sponge and so whether it's watching a, a game on TV, um, or at a clinic or whatever, I'm taking notes, you know, or, or watching hard knocks or, or, uh, you know, anything I, I'm taking notes. Um, there was a cool series on, um, Amazon prime, uh, followed Michigan football. Mm. Um, and, uh, and, um, so we've got a little more time on our hands than normal watching that. <laughs> so I'm always interested in, in X's and O's of course, but mainly, um, gleaning how to run a program and how to work with guys and what's important, what's not. Um, and that's the most important stuff to me um, is really how to run a program and, and, and work with young men. Mark, what would be the best advice? Uh, maybe it's one thing, maybe it's a couple 
that what's the best advice you've ever received as far as uh, coaching? And that can be any level. I'll, I'll leave it open to you there. You're, you're the head coach now for a couple of years at Real Hondo Prep. You've been coaching high school a long time, but you coached in youth sports before that. What, what would you say is something you carry with you every day, some advice you received that you were like, you know what, I got to always remember that? Man, that's a great question. Um, and yeah, shoot, I've, I've received so much of it. Mm-hmm. it. It's hard to, it's hard to say one thing, but um, let me see. Let me, let me think on that. Um, when I was coaching, Mark, when I yeah. was coaching, uh, I had all these great ideas. I was, I was very passionate. I had, I was video this, I was, I was notebooks. I was all these, but I learned real quick that young kids don't have the same mind I do. And for me, you know what? I I have to, I had to, I could be, I could create things and have ideas, but ultimately the number one thing I had to do was keep it simple. I had to find, find a way to do that. And and I was thinking while, while you were talking and it came to my mind that, um, probably the best, maybe the best advice I ever got um, was actually from Rick Croy, the basketball coach at Cal Baptist. Okay. Um, and, and, you know, again, I'm not going to, um, I'm going to take advice from anybody. He's not a football coach, obviously, but he's working with young men. And he said, keep it, keep it to three. And that means three things. Um, and so you're keeping it as simple as you can. And, and I think the, the, the thought process behind that was um, these young guys, they got a lot going on. If you overload them with information, yeah, you know it. And you, you, you know what, you got to know what you're doing. But with them, they got to be able to play fast and loose. And that's how you play best. Everyone knows you play your best when you're fast and loose and you're not thinking. And so um, keep it simple. I think it, it is, you know, I don't want to be cliche because probably everyone says that. But um, I think, yeah, keeping it to three, three things. So three, three bits of information that they got to process and go through is as much as, as a young man can handle. And, and Rick, I think uh, through his basketball coaching had kind of figured that out. And I think it applies to, to other sports as well, football, namely. I'll never forget. It was speaking of De La Salle. It was uh, Terry Eitzen, who was the defensive coordinator for so long there. And, and he said when they played modern day the first time at uh, Anaheim stadium, I think back in the nineties or something, uh, they, De La Salle had that streak going a long time. And they were playing, I don't know if it was Matt Leonard or who it was, but mm-hmm. they, they were playing a good modern day team. And Eidson said he went into the game with so many different defensive looks and blitzes. And he was just, he, he was ready for anything. Uh, they were down a few touchdowns like at halftime. And he just said, okay, screw it. We're going four, four, cover three. This is what we do. And uh, this is who we are. Let's see if, and it, it was simple. And yeah that always stuck with me. And it's just a constant reminder, like Rick Croy, like you say, sometimes it doesn't have to be like vanilla, but you got it. Whatever you do has to be uh, simple enough where teenage boys can soak it in and not have to think too much about it. You're exactly right. Um, I remember one time we, we had uh, came up with this kind of similar came up with this, a new front, right? We usually play either three or four man front. And um, mainly our three-man front, which we call our Rio front. And um, we had some, like a more uh, a five-two type look that we we're trying to implement. Hey guys, you know, I think this is really going to work. And we, we went it. And then after a quarter, the guys were like, coach, can we just go back to, to Rio? 
can we go back to Rio? And I go, yeah, let's go. And, yeah. uh, and I think, you know, you got to get them playing and what they're comfortable in doing. And, and if you try to install too much and, and you can't be um, belligerent in that you're, you're so stubborn, you're never going to change because you got to be able to adjust. Right. But um, you got to keep it so the kids can play. And at Rio it's amplified in that a lot of our kids are playing both ways. And so we're a, uh, say you have a two hour practice. Um, most schools, like you have a defensive player, he's practicing defense for two hours. And real, you're practicing defense for an hour and offense for an hour to break it down simply, right? And, and so um, you don't have as much time to, to install as many things as maybe you would want to install. But I think it's actually uh, more of a blessing than anything. And our guys um, just go out there. We just want to go, go out there and play fast and loose, man. And so uh, keep it the three things, three, three pieces of instruction. Uh, you know, whether it's a tackling technique, whether it's your coverage responsibilities, um, if you give them more than three, you're asking for trouble. And, you know, <laughs> how many times you see at professional level, wow, complete coverage breakdown. Um, and, and, you know, there, there's, there's a guy running free 20 yards wide open. And these are pros who spend 40 hours a week preparing. Or, you know, I remember going to a clinic and, and, and having a coach present, and he was dynamite presenter. I'm like, wow, man, if we could install this, it'd be amazing. And, and he had all these different looks, all these different packages. And I look, I go on match preps and look how he did. And they were two and eight, man. And it's like <laughs> giving up 45 points a game. And I'm like, I'm like, why am I listening to this guy? Yeah. And, and he, he was like, he was a great presenter, but, but, but I'm like, really? And so, um, you know, overloading teenage minds with too much information sometimes can backfire. And so, um, you know, yeah. The best teams, yeah. Everyone knows what Rohano's going to do, but it's like, all right, you know, try to stop it, you know. And so I think that's a lot of times that's what the best teams are. Yeah, and without giving any secrets away, I want to talk about both sides of the ball real quick with uh, with yeah. Rio Hondo. I I have a really good memory, Mark, and you and I went to the season opener at USC. It was USC versus BYU, mm-hmm. and we're watching the game. And you're telling, I think Bronco Mendenhall maybe was the coach at the time. Yeah. And uh, and you were telling me about BYU and yeah they have this three three five defense I'm like three three five most teams yeah. run a four three four down lineman three backers or yeah. three down lineman or three four and I'd never heard of a three three five and and sure enough we look at it three down lineman three linebackers and these like five quote unquote defensive backs <laughs> hybrid guys who were kind of coming yeah. up and being it was more like a three five at most times sometimes a three four look yeah. But, I remember watching it and you kind of talking to me about it and you're like, I remember you saying something like this would fit our personnel really well because uh, we have a lot of those hybrid type of guys and to kind of send stuff and mix things up, have blitzes coming from all over the place. uh, It would fit. So I don't know if you guys still do that exact version, but you guys do have a very unique defense. It's very different than I would say most teams run. Yeah. um, Playing on front. Uh, usually with three guys, yeah, three guys down. Um, usually that, and that's like you said, is our personnel. We don't generally get a lot of defensive linemen, but we do get a lot of just athletes, guys you can run around and tackle. And so my mindset as a defensive coordinator is I want to get our 11 best tacklers on the field, 11 best football players. And so if, if there's a, someone might see a big heavy set kid, man, why isn't that guy playing? And we might have given him a shot, but the kid who weighs 150 pounds can, can do a better job at what we do on D-line than the guy who wears 240. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, now, 
that being said, if, if all things are equal in that 240 guy, yeah, you cannot play, obviously you're going to play him. But um, so we don't, we try not to get stuck into uh, traditional, um, <laughs> traditional <laughs> things like that. And so we're going to put the 11 best football players on the field and, and go. And so, yeah, we do. Um, our, our setup's still the same. It's three down linemen, three, what we call inside backers. And then uh, our two hybrid players, we call them bandit and rover. They're all over the place. And, and you don't know, ever know where they're coming from, whether they're in coverage, whether they're blitzing, run support. Um, and then, then our DBs, our, our standard DBs, two corners and a free safety um, is pretty standard for us. And I'm, I'm always going to have someone in the hole playing free safety. And uh, so that, that's kind of traditional. But, but our, our linebacker and hybrid player setup is, I would say, untraditional. Yeah, very much so. And it's really funny that uh, one thing I've seen the past, well, last year especially was like, you wouldn't think you'd get much penetration or be able to stop the run as much, but you guys do. You have really good technique with the D linemen, and uh, it, it is cool seeing guys come from all different directions. I'm always like, three down linemen, what about when it's fourth and one? But sure enough, you guys manage to shift something and do something, and, and it works. It, it definitely works, and it fits real hondo prep football, let me tell you. Yeah, you got, you got to play to your personnel strengths. And um, last year, actually, we did have a good uh, – D-line group, you know, uh, Morgan Carhart, Jake Lyons, mm-hmm. uh, Dean Minner, um, our, our, our returner, a couple of returners that we have this year, uh, Brandon Davis, Ryan McCullough. So we had a good group, uh, Derek Almendarez, which isn't common. And so we actually played a little more of a four-man front uh, than we would normally. But um, this year we'll be back probably to our three-man front because um, it's going to hurt our personnel better. Definitely. Well, let's talk a little offense here. And, and Mark, we live in, the, we live in this age of uh... – the spread. Everyone wants to do the spread. Shotgun. Everyone's in shotgun. Everyone has at least uh, you know a yard or two splits with the linemen and three, four, or five wide receivers. I, I know Rio might do that in a hurry-up situation or something, but Rio really is one of the last teams that just kind of has this almost a pro set. Um, there is some misdirection, we'll say, but you guys also have this. The linemen go toe to toe, which nobody does. Nobody. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, I, and I mean it, I've, I've seen it all, Mark. I've refereed a lot of games and, and everyone wants to be in this spread and the shotgun. They see it on TV. Everyone wants to, you know, clap their hands to get a snap. Uh, even if they run the ball, it's like this um, shotgun, you know, a gun run yeah. here. and Zone read. Yeah, zone, zone read. read. Yeah. Everyone yeah. wants to do that stuff. And it's just like Rio has never gone that direction. Maybe, again, a few wrinkles here and there. But in yeah. general, the foundation is, is running the football some misdirection. I don't, that scissors play still works to this day. You see first graders do it. Uh, I don't know how it works, but it does. And and it's just crazy to me that Rio really has, I I don't want to say evolve, but they, they, they do their own thing. You guys don't fall into the trap maybe that other teams and schools do of doing what's cool on TV. Yeah. It's, and that's all the credit really to our offensive coaches, namely our, our OC um, Randy Johnson. And he, he's just, he's a um, offensive genius is all I could say. And yeah. um, we have an unbalanced line, which is, which is atypical too. Um, sometimes a tight end will be um, on the, uh, on the weak side of that unbalanced line, which is super crazy. You know, that's, and that's gnarly to defend. Trust me, when I'm trying to defend our offense um, and, I, and I'm running the scout D, I'm like, how do we line to get up against that? Yeah. And so I can see the headaches that it causes just from my perspective, running the scout defense. Um, and it causes problems. And, 
and it's so unique in that almost no one runs it. Everyone's in spread now. And so no one runs it. And so if you see Rio, you got to do a special week of prep and, and teams who don't have that, that uh, kind of built in um, mechanism, like, like a Pollywood who plays this every year and, and they kind of know how to defend us a little better. They might, they might have that built in, but if you only got a week, you know, if you only got a week to defend us, it's going to cause you problems and, and it's very hard to defend. And it's, it's run first, it's run oriented. Um, I think we, we probably um, are 80, 20. Um, if we, we always say if, if we throw more than 10 passes in a game, we're probably lost that game. And so, and so um, it's run heavy and, and um, you would think, well, you got to have these great linemen. And sometimes we do, but a lot of times the linemen are 160 pound dudes who, um, we just teach to execute our offense and, and the, the running backs are close to the line of scrimmage. And so our linemen don't have to hold those blocks um, as long as maybe normal, but you have to get off, they have to hit and they have to hit the right guy. And then our running backs, that's something that we usually do have this year is no different. And Jonathan Guerrero um, are really good at seeing those, seeing and reading those blocks and, and they just need to crease and you get them through. And then that's, we're going to get four yards. And if they break, make a play, break a tackle, um, then we have a big gain. And so um, our offense is just so fun to watch. And, and for us, Matt, it's, it's about our philosophy is total football. Um, we're not interested in putting up any kind of numbers or, or anything. We don't care. We want to win the game. And so, and so our philosophy goes down to that. And so we got, as part of winning the game, we know we got to be able to control the clock at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. And so um, you can't do that if you're a spread offense, you know, you can be three and out and, and, 18 seconds have come off the clock. And, and then, you know, uh, whereas, you know, we're, we're fine winning games 28 to 20, you know, we're fine with that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's for us, it's, it's a way to control the whole game and, and it demoralizes your opponent really, if you're running the ball. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a style that works really well for us. No, Randy Johnson, right. All the credit to him. He definitely, um, there's definitely got good blood in the veins from his, uh, his father, <laughs> the legendary Randall Johnson senior, who was right. just really good offensive minded. Um, it's funny because I talked to friends. I'm like, if you watch the Rio offense, I'm like, it doesn't make sense. It shouldn't work. Like a lot of the things you guys, do, I'm like, this is, this is almost stupid that this stuff works. Like <laughs> it, it's just hilarious to me as a football guy who watches yeah. like everything. I'm like this, it's crazy that it works, but it does. And you're right. It, it's, because it's so different, that has a lot to do with it. Uh, I love the fact that Randy obviously transformed the offense. Uh, Joe Parker had a lot to do with taking us into the 11-man era. But Randy Johnson kind of brought back a couple of, like, I would call them eight-man football wrinkles. Mm-hmm. You know? So, like, okay, you see a little bit of the eight-man uh, Rio history yeah. there. Uh, because he's found a way to make those work. And when you got little guys running between the tackles, which you don't see that much of it, everything's on the perimeter these days. And Rio does a ton of sweeps and counters. And that's kind of the foundation. It's just cool to see. And it's real, it's gotta be awesome for real Hondo fans and alumni to see uh, this version of Rio football that we all grew up with in, in the modern day era. You know what? Someone uh, posted on YouTube, uh, someone from the eighties, some old film. And um, I think it was maybe Don Bedoya or someone like that. Um, and I was watching it, and it's funny. The offense looks the same yeah, as it does now. It does. I mean, there's three less guys on the field, but it looks the same. And so it's really cool. Yeah, those, those really narrow line splits. Um, we're not necessarily toe-to-toe. We might be have like a, 
a foot in between, but sometimes we are toe to toe. But it, there's some there's science behind it. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the sweeps and the inside runs as well, and so um, it's all right. We're gonna sweep. We're probably gonna sweep early, and then they figure out. All right, now we got to move out to stop the sweep, or or put guys out there to stop the sweep, and then we're gonna cut you inside. Uh-huh. And uh, you, you know, can you stop both? Well, you better be really good at it. Um, and so it, it's it's a super hard offense to defend, and then. And then people say, well, I'm going to put 10 guys in the box and stop it. And then all of a sudden we play action and, yeah. and uh, got a guy wide open down the field. <laughs> Most of our pass plays are touchdowns, you know, it, hey. they're long touchdowns. And Much so, like the, the 2002 team, we throw three times right. a game and have two touchdown passes. That's right, man. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. exactly. So, oh, man, that's great stuff. Well, well Mark, kind of, we'll try to wrap it up here. I know you're a busy yeah. man, but um, uh, if you could, we'll talk about the past uh, past players real quick. And then we'll talk about maybe uh, some of your current players and, uh, you know, talking okay. about some of them and, and maybe uh, looking forward to the season uh, upcoming for them. But, but kind of looking at the past, you said you've kind of been watching Rio football since the eighties. Who are, who are some names of players? Um, I, I don't know if the, the best football players you've seen or just some of your favorite football players that you've watched uh, over the past, let's see, what is that, 40 years, give or take? Yeah. I mean, I know there's a big list, I'm sure, but who are some five, ten names who who, who jump out to you? Um, yeah, when I, the first games I can remember were um, Dave Guerrero, who was the quarterback of the team in the early 80s. His son, Jonathan, is actually our, our returning running back, a great football player himself. I remember watching him. Um, I remember watching my brother's team with, with um, Randy Johnson, our current OC, and my brother playing. I uh, remember those guys. Um, Rod Heaton was a great football player. Um, and my other brother's team, I have two older brothers, and uh, Rick Johnson, David Joe, Mike Whiteside, Jeff Fairley, those guys. And then, um, man, since then, been watching. And you have so many great players. You remember Jacob Blake in the late 90s, who was probably, might be the fastest player we've ever had. Yeah. And um, he was just an amazing football player. Um, Ed Maldonado, the Ramos brothers. Um, um, and, and, you know, there's just so many good players. We were talking about trying to put together a, a all-time team. And and we don't know if it's possible because you, you have to leave off too many people and make too many people upset. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) There's just too many good players and someone like yourself who put up decent numbers, but not great. But how do you measure like the leadership that, that you provided, you know, as a quarterback of a championship team? And, and so, you know, you're trying to measure leadership against numbers and, and so forth. And uh, it'd be super hard to do. So maybe a, a, uh, a Hall of Fame type list would be better than a, an all-time team because an all-time team would just get everybody upset. But it's so <laughs> many great players, man. And, it, and, you know, since I've been doing it, since I've been coaching, you think of like the running backs, which is kind of our feature position, right? Yeah. Um, you know, you put Landon Goodwin and Antonio Alanese in the same backfield and, and you're not losing a football game. I don't care who's blocking, you know. <laughs> yeah. but, 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 but people, uh, you know, from the 70s or 80s might say someone else. Oh, Steve Jones, Don Bedoya, Paul Clark, um, you know, Jeff Fairley, whoever, you know, th- these other names that are out there, they're going to say something different. And, um, you know, go back to our, the days in the 60s. Well, Armand Maskamp had 2,000-yard rushing in, in the six-man era, you know. And, you know, I don't know. I never saw the guy play, but I, he had to be pretty good. And, uh, yeah. Uh, and so – and, you know, our, our, our AD and former head coach, Mr. Drain, was a great player. And so, um, so many great players, man, um, and, and all the way up to the present day, you know. And, and our team last year was just, was just an awesome team. And, and you talk about those teams that, 
that are great teams that don't win a championship, but, um, you know, one of our few teams that finished undefeated in the regular season and, and, uh, had we not, you know, one thing goes our way in that, in that, in that Europa Hills game, I think we beat them. And so, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's been so many great players. Um, I don't know if I answered your question, but no, you did. You gave me yeah. some great names, uh, memory lane. I mean, just, uh, it, it's incredible that, Real Honda Prep football, I, I don't know if there's other conversations with other teams like this, with uh, Glendora, Covina, uh, you know, the, these other teams in the area where there's this, this constant debate amongst alumni and discussion, oh, yeah, so-and-so yeah. was so much fun to watch or, or whatever. I, I think it's awesome that the Rio, Rio Honda Prep coaching staff has got to be one of the only coaching staffs in America where every coach – uh, went was it is an alumni? Is it? Yep. Yes, sir. Yep. I mean, I, I can't think of other teams. Uh, Real Hondo Prep. Uh, what do we, what do you always say, Mark? The smallest school enrollment that plays eleven man football in California yeah. is that California? That's, yeah, it's still the case. The smallest school in California that plays eleven man football. Yep. Oh man, I, I absolutely love it. Well, um, uh, some we we could talk all day about the history of it. Let me tell you. Right. Uh, but but as far as the current team and looking forward, I know you got a few months here. Uh, what is your outlook with this this current team? I know they've had some good playoff runs the past couple years. Um, a lot of those guys who were sophomores are now seniors. Uh, you got a killer running back in uh, Dave Guerrero, as you mentioned, who's probably Jonathan Guerrero. Oh, I'm Jonathan, sorry, Dave, Dave's, Dave's son. Dave's the dad. Yeah, excuse yeah. me, uh, Jonathan Guerrero, who is you put out a video of him recently, Mark. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, for college coaches. You know, oh, he's too, he's so small, Mark. He's five, yeah. five or whatever. And, yeah. and he's, he is, he's a tiny guy, but I've never seen a football player at his size do the things he does. He's phenomenal. And, and in football, you know, we're not playing basketball here. Yeah. A small running back is actually a good thing. I think of, uh, who was it? Jacquiz Rogers at mm-hmm. Oregon state. I remember watching them against SC one year when SC was just killing it. <laughs> and um they could not find this guy and they went up, it was like a thursday night game they went up to oregon state and that was their, yeah. i think their one loss of the season and that's how jonathan is and, and um you can't see him and then he's he has great vision he's super quick um and fast too and so he's he's just a nightmare especially in our offense um and by the time you see him he's gone you know and so <laughs> he, he had his kind of his breakout game this year was uh against arroyo our, our starting running back a senior had had uh, fallen to injury, Brian Flores. And so Jonathan stepped in and then all he did was run for 240 yards, you know, and like four <laughs> touchdowns. And so uh, he's super excited, worth the price of admission for sure. Yes, no doubt about it. I think he's going to have, I mean, his career is just getting started at Rio and I, I hope yeah. for two more awesome years for him. Who are some other players, Mark, and looking forward for this uh, upcoming team that, that you're excited about, or maybe who are some of the team leaders? Yeah. Uh, just paint us a picture really of what to expect for the upcoming team. Well, our quarterback returns, Jack Van Cleef return, returns, um, great player uh, through one interception last year. It happened to be on the last play of the season. Um, but, you know, he runs our offense to perfection. Um, a couple other seniors, the Olivas brothers are great athletes. Uh, you have um, Brandon Davis, a returning defensive lineman, uh, who's just a, a human wrecking ball in there. Um, <laughs> you go down to our juniors. Um, I'm sure I'm leaving guys out, so I, I want to be careful. But our juniors, uh, Gio Ortega is is a phenomenal playmaker. Um, plays he makes, you have to rewind the film and say, wow, did he really do that? Um, an interception comes to mind last season where he just looks like he came out of nowhere and, and jumped three feet off the ground to catch it. Um, 
he was also the guy who scored in the last play of the half against Pauly and, and uh, just a phenomenal player. Um, Jaden Sanchez is our only returning linebacker and, and he'll be a great player for us and, and just a hard nosed football player. Um, we have a sophomore, uh, Ryan McCullough, who came back from break. I think he was, you know, um, he was probably 200, maybe like six, six, one, six, two, 220 pounds. And then he came yeah. back from break and, and he's, um, six, three, 250. And he just, <laughs> you know, he just looks like a monster and, and I'm sorry, break the quarantine thing. Like you haven't seen these guys for a few months mm-hmm. other than zoom. And, and he's just growing and he's just, he's huge. He's going to be a great football player. Super fun to watch. Um, but yeah, we had a lot of guys who, who were looking forward to, uh, taking the field, uh, Paul Lena, Royal Young, um, a couple of our linemen along with Spencer Moya. Uh, we think we're going to have, you know, our line's going to look different. We, we lose all five starters. Uh, not going to be quite as big, but they're going to be, uh, you know, they're tough guys who, who I think we're going to get the job done. So um, a lot of these guys are going to be playing both ways, those names I mentioned, because, um, you know, we'll suit up probably 20, 25 guys um, in that group. And so um, we're excited, though, for them. Sounds like a typical Rio year, only about 25 guys or so and uh, plenty, plenty <laughs> yep. of talent, but some uh, rebuilding, reloading for sure. And yep. uh, really excited about it, Mark. And I, I wish you all the best. I know you're working hard. You got a lot of, a uh, lot of months of work ahead of you here for the upcoming season. It's going to be very different, but again, it's a challenge that I think you guys are ready for. And Mark, I hope next time we talk, we are talking about an upcoming opponent or breaking down a right. game that you guys have played in. So that's my goal. I look forward to having some real Hondo prep football talk weekly. Uh, once the season starts, whenever it is. Uh, but I do want to thank you for joining us today and for chatting and get our, you know what it is September. It's the fall. We, at least talking some high school football, even if we, right. if we can't play it, right? Right. I mean, I was out, we're out of practice, and, and people say, man, don't, do you not be out when it's that hot? And I go, yeah, I do. It reminds me of football, you know, it, just <laughs> being out in the sun, and, and it feels really good. And so hopefully, though, yeah, I agree. We look forward to those chats coming in the upcoming season uh, for the season, and it'll be a lot of fun. Um, you told me I could do my PSA about our weight room. Go right um, ahead. Yeah, we, we're uh, redoing our weight room on campus. So anyone listening out there, uh, if you want to help with that, get in contact. I'm looking actually for a window guy because we're putting in some new big windows. And so um, anyone out there would like to, uh, to help us with that, um, contact me. Give me a call. And uh, we look forward to everyone's support. Our, our alumni, parent um, support is, is unmatched, and we love it, and we love you guys. And so we look forward to everyone coming out uh, for that first game, January 8th. We hope we see everybody. And we'll let you know. We'll hype it up as it gets closer. But um, it's going to be fun. And so thank you for that support. Thank you for this platform, Matt. Uh, really appreciate you, man. Oh, always, man. Hey, we'll always talk real Honda Prep football on this podcast. Uh, and guys, if you want to follow Mark Carson, uh, he posts a lot of things about real Honda Prep football on Twitter. Uh, RHP Cares is the handle. The Cares is with a K, of course, RHP Cares. Uh, so so look, look forward there for any information. And yes, if anyone uh, knows somebody who might be able to contribute to some uh, – to some weight room work windows specialist definitely get in touch with me or mark uh, if you need uh, to to get in touch with him i can help you out there so mark thanks again man i look forward to talking some more football soon i appreciate it matt keep up the good work man thanks again
Thank you, Mark Carson, for joining us today. It was a lot of fun catching up with you. I appreciate you coming back to the show. I'm looking forward to talking to you again real soon. I hope the next time I'm talking to you, we are giving a preview of your upcoming opponent or breaking down maybe a game from the previous weekend. So looking forward to some real Hondo Prep football. Whenever it happens, December, January, whenever, let's get it going. I know you're itching and ready to go, as your players are as well. My uh, best wishes to you, the entire family, your wife, Claudia, your four lovely daughters. I uh, hope to see you soon, my friend. And uh, yeah, go go Real Hondo Prep, man. Go Cares. Uh, looking forward to a fun season whenever it does get kicked off. Well, guys, tomorrow we'll be on the program, my brother, Sam Hersema. Sam has been here a couple of times. He was one of the earliest guests. We also had another episode a few months ago uh, where we talked on a patio kind of while we were watching some of the last dance when Michael, the Michael Jordan documentary. So that should kind of give you an idea of when Sam was last here. Uh, I'll say this about my brother. Him and I are very similar in some ways, but very different in others. So if you have not had a chance to listen to Sam on the program before, I think you'll be able to see that uh, the similarities and also hear the differences right off the bat. Uh, But if you've heard him before, his other two episodes, more of the same, just uh, us talking about some current events, kind of some changes, what's going on with him and his life. Sam is a proud Real Hondo Prep graduate as well, Uh, was on the first 11-man football championship team in 2005. Uh, We won't talk too much about his playing days or anything, mostly focusing on uh, what's going on with him, his opinions on kind of some of the COVID things and, and, you know, what, what are some big changes and, and uh, all this and that. We're also going to have our suds with studs segment that we'll be doing every single Friday in the, uh, between our opening segment and our interview. So we'll have kind of a longer show tomorrow because the interview with Sam does go a little bit long. But uh, there'll be a lot of great things to talk about. I will be talking probably about 10 minutes about uh, our our most recent edition of Suds with Studs, where we honor people who have done some tremendous uh, things, whether it be brave, heroic acts, a lot of law enforcement, some military members, firefighters, uh, things of that nature. So uh, there'll be a, a new addition to that tomorrow as we have our, our Friday episode and something we've been doing now for a couple months and having uh, just a, just an opportunity really to give a brief summary of an event or a, a person or a group of people that has uh, that I think inspires me and, and hopefully inspires you and just a way to pay tribute to some special people. So that is in store for us tomorrow on the Get Home Safe podcast. Sam Hersema and Suds with Studs. Be sure to join us. Well, guys, there's plenty of ways to follow the Get Home Safe podcast. Our Twitter handle is Get Home Safe Pod. Our Facebook and Instagram page is Get Home Safe Podcast. And our email address is Get Home Safe Podcast at yahoo.com we've received some emails from a few listeners a few fans it's been great to hear from everybody some people just saying hello uh we heard from renee zendejas who is a former real hondo prep uh graduate as well as a former gator of the carry youth league gators uh there's uh, a few of us out who left who are uh, truly uh, proud of, of our heritage there so a big hello to renee zendejas he's doing uh, he's doing great work and he always has the podcast on typically when he's on the tractor or, or doing something in the in the farming something on the farm he usually says to me so uh, i'm looking forward to chatting with him sometime here soon and hopefully we can get him on the program or just kind of get a summary about what he's up to but thanks for listening Renee. we really appreciate it and guys anybody who wants to send us a message plenty of ways to do it we love hearing from you even if it's just a quick hello uh, or if you do have a question or some content suggestions that's all good too emails are great there's plenty of other ways to do it through social media uh, also 
again, with the voice message, it should be included in the podcast uh, episode notes. There's some links there that uh, will either lead you where you need to go for a voice message or lead you to a few other things. Just some information about the podcast if you'd like to uh, to do so. We try to make it accessible for you guys. Anyway, guys, long show. I know it was a fun interview with Mark Carson, and I was ranting and raving a little bit uh, early today as well. I do apologize, but only a little bit, only a little bit, just because I know I, I when I get going, it's hard to, it's hard to stop. I'll, I'll say that. That's why I'm apologizing. But I'll try to keep it down. I'll try to keep it to 10 minutes or so with the opening segment. Sometimes, sometimes, with some of the content going on, I just I have to let loose. I have to to get it out one way or another. So thanks for listening to this episode and to me in the morning or the opening segment, I should say. Oh, guys, it's been a pleasure. That'll wrap up our episode. Mark Carson, you were great. Thanks for joining us. Sam Hersema, looking forward to talking to you tomorrow. And guys, no matter what you're doing, whether you're out on the town or around in third base, get home safe. Mm-hmm.